Welcome to Episode 5, Season 1 of the Everyday Crazy Podcast. It's a weekly podcast delivered every Wednesday, focused on satire, comedy, current events, and tilted worldview. I am your host, L.P. Faust, cultural attaché of the stars and ringmaster of the shit show. On this fifth podcast of the first season, sometimes while looking for that big break in life, we get thrust onto the soundstage of a reality television show, with roommates straight-up cast from the reality TV show Reject Pile. In this episode, let's check out the film Camp Hollywood, where Gonzo director Steve Markle cuts through the bullshit and creates a documentary about his time at the infamous Hollywood Gardens Hotel. Mr. DeMille, are you ready for the money shot? Everyday Crazy is a weekly podcast with new content every Wednesday focused on satire, comedy, tilted worldview, personal experience, and stream of consciousness with your host, L.P. Faust. Welcome to the Everyday Crazy podcast. I am your host, L.P. Faust. Whenever a discussion begins about the movies, it always seems that human nature tends to focus on the Golden Globes, the Academy Awards, and the glamorous side of Hollywood. It's like life after the 1% have put in their 13 years of hard work so that they can finally go ahead and get discovered and be in that spot. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, that's generally what it, uh, what it focuses in on. Hey, Carlos, do they ever really like tend to look at all the shithole? And mm, no, to... no, no. Not at all, man. The struggle and all that stuff's never looked at. Recently, I came across a movie called Camp Hollywood. I know what you're saying. Hey, LP, what is Camp Hollywood? Well, let me tell you. I'm glad you asked that question. Camp Hollywood is about this shithole called the Highlands Garden Hotel. How dare you? I know, insensitive, right? The Highlands Garden Hotel, which is sitting over in like uh, Los Angeles, like right off of the Strip, but it's garnered this reputation as the place where Canadians stay when they're trying to make it in Hollywood. Now, the funniest thing about this thing is this place kind of, I guess, I guess it's almost like a study of what a college dormitory is like, but uh, for people who are, st- are not quite going to college, it's sort of like, imagine old school, you know what I'm saying? Jello pools, old dudes everywhere, all that sort of stuff, and <laughs> How dare you? surrounded by hot women. I know, I know. At any rate, so what ends up happening is there's this opening shot. One of the things that got me in this film, the guy is sitting there, has the opening shot of the, of the uh, uh, cockroach crawling across the sink. And I'm thinking to myself that should like go into this illusion of like bringing in Michael J. Fox back when he was doing like uh, when when he was doing Secret to My Success. You remember that scene where he, where he goes and decides he's gonna go and blaze the trail over in New York City, right? And uh, goes over to this <laughs> New York City flop house and grabs a spot over in the flop house over there. It's just it's complete shithole. It's a clean shithole, and it's the a kind of shithole that a mo- that can only exist on a movie set. Because I'll tell you what. When LP was over in New York, hey, Carlos, would did our flophouse look like anything from like uh, what Michael J. Fox? Not a fucking chance. So when I was sitting over in New York, after I had uh, exhausted my opportunity to have a spot for like the first 10 days or whatever, I had to find a place to go to. So I was like, uh, you know, <laughs> the most fucked up thing is when I went over to New York City, right? I was that guy you hear, packed two bags, took a dream and nothing else. I had just gotten married six months prior. The economy fell to shit over in like 2008, over in Florida where I was at. Packed two bags, 30 days left on my lease, 10 days on a ticket, went to New York, and somehow I made it happen. <laughs> right? I made it happen. I actually wound up, uh, it was one of the most defining moments in my career, too. It taught me a lot, got me into a different income bracket, did a whole bunch of really cool stuff. 
I'll tell you what, one, at one point when I was over in New York City, I was sitting there and I had just exhausted my 10 days or whatever it was that I had uh, for a place. I just decided after a long conversation with my wife, let the ticket die and figure it out. We'd get together somehow, right? And try to make it happen with no place to stay. <laughs> Did I make it work out? Yeah, but I'll tell you what. One of the things that I was doing was I was looking for a place to live. And I found this place that it was like, okay, if you could go ahead and bring us and give us $200 down, you can go ahead and hold on to a place. And I forget what it was, what was the monthly rate. And I'm like, cool, it's a room. So I go over to this spot, and it reminds me very much of this opening sequence of the Hollywood Gardens Hotel. The dude shows up at the front door. He's like all excited, like, yeah, let me go ahead and take you inside here and all that stuff. Brings me down the hallways like, yeah, you'll have your communal bathroom over here. And I'm just thinking to myself, I mean, what the fuck? Bro, communal bathroom? Are you fucking kidding me? Nah, man, it's like dormitory style living. Hey, Carlos, was it like dormitory mm -hmm, style? No, no, no. Not a fucking chance, man. It was a tuberculosis hideaway is what it was. But at any rate, I digress. I'm sitting over there and he's like, uh, yeah, let me go show you the room that you'd be staying in. He opens up the room. Fucking room is filled with somebody else's shit. Their bed, their TV, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> And all I could sit there and think to myself was, I don't know, brah. I don't know. And then I remember him mentioning something about needing to clean sheets or something or other. And I heard something about tuberculosis. I'm like, hey, brother, I think I'm out of here, all right? Hey, do you think you might want to go ahead and do this? Hey, Carlos, are we going to stay over there? What do you think? Should we? No, no, no. Fuck no, man. I, pr I treasured my health <laughs> and being out on the street than I did tuberculosis and having a warm place to stay. But you know what? I digress, man. So at any rate, going back to the movie here. <laughs> yeah, boy, maybe we'll cover that in another uh, episode. What do we think? Is that a pretty good idea to go ahead and put in? Yeah, I think so, too. I might have to do it. I mean, just looking inside that fucking place, I was just like, oh, my God. Are you Fuck you fucking fuckers. No, I think I'm out of here. <laughs> One of those. So Highlands Garden Hotel. The thing is, as much as it's a shithole in like dorm style living and everything, I mean, maybe that may, is a shithole. Probably something that's a little too offensive. I mean, how what do you dare think? you? Yeah, probably is. So in this, uh, um, I don't know, upscale low rent district. Does that sound about right? I think we'll just go ahead and say that upscale low rent <laughs> district. Over inside of this particular hotel or whatnot, um, people will stay for extended periods of time. Some will stay there for uh, several months, perhaps two years. Some just don't ever go away. In this particular hotel actually has this really rich history. In the 60s, the Rat Pack used to meet in the lobby for drinks. Brad Pitt actually lived in room 116 for a year and a half. Earth, Wind, and Fire recorded an album in room 122. Janis Joplin overdosed on heroin in room 105, and like all of her fans make a uh, pilgrimage to go over there. Yes, Janis Joplin still has fans. What do you think, Carlos? Do you think Janis Joplin still has fans? I mean, most people are probably asking. Mm, no, no, no. Yeah, most people are probably saying, who the fuck is Janis Joplin? Check out another piece of my heart. Fucking great song. At any rate, I digress. So they go there, and of course, it always irritates the shit out of somebody who's over, who another fan or groupie who's decided to have an extended stay over in Janis Joplin's room for no particular reason. <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard lived there for a while, so if you're trying to go ahead and get in touch with whether or not you've got some thetans inside of you, I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> Check out the uh, Highlands Garden Ranch Inn over here. <laughs> And the actors Maury Jacob and Mark Margulis are regulars at this particular place, at least up until the point that they were, were recording this particular film. Now, Steve Markle is the director, and he's also the cameraman, which is just a kind way of saying, hey, guess what? You're a Kevin Smith wannabe, aren't you? You're just sitting there trying to go ahead and rack up debt on your cards, 
So in in the desperate hopes and pleas that somebody like Harvey Weinstein will go ahead and actually... I don't, How dare you? I know, I know. <laughs> Pick up your film. Well, I'm sorry to say that there aren't enough pedophiles to go ahead and, uh, and float Steve Markle's film, but at least Amazon came along and went ahead and was uh, good for the ride. You know what I'm saying? It's just like when I turn this film on, I'm thinking to myself... Anybody know? having fun around here? Anybody think that this is popcorn time? So at any rate, the premise of this particular film is Steve Markle the uh, director, the cameraman, you know, kind of like gonzo porn director. Well, he shot the film while attempting to break into comedy in Los Angeles. I mean, hey, man, when you're sitting there broke, you know, you've got nothing, no dream, you just got a dream. Uh, might as well go ahead and document this because you never know if somebody might actually pick it up and want to air it for posterity. So he, he goes ahead and saves enough for 60 days, but he winds up staying for like a year and a half, you know, goes completely broke, racking up debt on his credit cards and all that stuff. But that's another story. This particular place had its own set of cast of characters, and they were all actors. It sort of reminded me of the Joe Schmo fake TV reality uh, uh, show. <laughs> and you're probably asking yourself, dude, Joe Schmo, I mean... Uh, I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, I know. You're probably wondering what the hell Joe Schmo is. Well, Joe Schmo is one of the greatest pieces of American uh, TV, reality TV cinema that there is out there, right? So the show's premise is that there's a target person or people which are led to believe that they're contestants on a reality television show. But in reality, all of the other participants in, the, in this purported show, including the host, are all actors. And their actions and the outcome of the purported show are all scripted in an attempt to elicit comedic reactions from the targets. If you've never watched Joe Schmo, <laughs> you need to go over and check out season one in particular of Joe Schmo. It is the most brilliant piece of work I've seen. After the written finish was executed, the actor in question would take a plate with their face painted on it, give it to Garmin, who would then state a rhyming couplet that went ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Whatever your name is, you're dead to us, and throw the plate into the fireplace, breaking it. The cast of characters was awesome because it was every bad stereotype of every person you've ever met on any other reality television show. So the cast included Ashley Rivera, who is the rich bitch, Brian Keith Etheridge, which was the buddy, Carlos Kip Caldras, the gay guy, Earl, who, by the way, wasn't gay, <laughs> Earl Bed Bradford, who is the veteran, Gina Price, the schemer, Molly Crabtree, the virgin, Patricia Dr. Pat Lane, the quack marriage counselor, Steve Hutch Hutchinson, the asshole, and Ralph Garman, the smarmy host. It was a piece that was just absolutely awesome. The allusions to this are absolutely fantastic. So, as Steve Markle, the director and cameraman of the documentary, starts wandering around, the funny thing is, is it starts to take on this sort of like reality TV feel to it. <laughs> You run into their own cast of characters. You've got Laura Jordan, who is the successful model who decided to transition into acting. Brian Irwin, who is the former music teacher, raging alcoholic, fired for mooning the class he was teaching. And he's in America illegally and downs half a liter of Jim Beam each day. I mean, holy shit, right? It's like half a liter of fucking Jim Beam. I mean, what the fuck? It's funny to kind of watch him sit there, strum his guitar while he's trying to float around on a raft inside of the pool. Then you got David Stiltonton, a bank robber and actor attempting to make it in Hollywood. And he gets into this very deep discussion with the director about prison tats. And then the director begins to question him saying, so did you ever kill anybody? I don't want to comment on that, man. But no, I mean, did you ever, like, hurt anybody really bad in prison? I don't want to comment on that. 
but he goes into great detail about the strong arm robbery that he committed and all of that sort of stuff. And I'm just like, what the ever loving <laughs> fuck, man? Then you have, uh, what, uh, Flynn and his wife, Ula. So Flynn is this like limo driver to the stars. I mean, he's driven everybody around, but has never made it in Hollywood. And the opening scene that you ran into Flynn, he is uh, sitting here arguing with his wife over dramatic pauses. So he's running through a script that he's uh, going to go ahead and try out for. And him and his wife get into this really deep conversation and start getting into deep conflict about a dramatic pause that needs to happen. And meanwhile, like, you know, later on in the series, his wife is out and he's busy trying to hook up over on um, on fucking Craigslist and letting the, the, letting the, uh, the director film every last bit of his whole scam that he's trying to run. Then you got Harold Themen, a clarinet player of renown. He became this really famous jazz clarinet player. And he had, you know, he was touring all over the place, was with his wife for like 35 years. They at some point had had to uh, live over at the Hollywood Gardens Hotel or whatever it was here and came back and he's like, I'm here to retire. My wife died and I just, there's, there's no reason for me to go on. So I think I'm going to stay here till I die. He becomes a sort of like a central character inside of that whole thing. And then you have Dina Morehouse. Uh, she's a Marilyn Monroe impersonator who poses with tourists on Hollywood Boulevard. It's kind of interesting because as you watch this cast of characters evolve and each one has its story where they're doing like all kinds of like casting get togethers or whatnot where they go and do script run-throughs. At one point, one of the guys is complaining because he keeps getting cast as the Jewish dude inside of a movie and eventually gets picked up for a series and he's looking at becoming, you know, a million, an instant millionaire, 30 grand an episode and all that stuff. And hey, Carlos, did that work out for him or anything? Mm, no, no, no. Nah, man. The worst part about this whole thing is he goes ahead and gets in like true karmic fashion. He winds up going ahead, getting cast for the pilot. He's like, yes, running through the contracts and everything. And then all of a sudden they decide to kill the pilot and he's sitting there staring I mean, at what the fuck? Going, dude, I did everything. And I'm like, yeah, I know, man. Somebody's <laughs> mad right now. Oh, shit, dude. I would have lost my fucking shit had that happened to me. And then it went on and on and on from there. And you had this on again, off again with Brooke Nevin. And she was once upon a time a kid of renown, sort of like a child actor that did the Animorphs over in Toronto, wanted to break in, into real acting in Hollywood. And for her, she finally gets cast into a script and she's like, yay! <laughs> I mean, she friends on the fuck out of this dude, but she's like, yay, I got cast into a script! And then, every, you know, getting all excited. And it turns out that it was for the uh, TV series Skin. That was, I think, on on uh, Showtime or whatever. And she's like, and what did I get cast as? And he's like, uh, I don't know. You tell me. She's like, I got cast as number two blonde stripper, you know. And Fuck you fucking fuckers! And she's like, whatever, man. It's a break to get into Hollywood. So she, <laughs> she goes ahead and runs through the first script. They do a shot. She's looking at the second script. And she's like, I don't fucking believe this. What? He turns to like page three. And she's like. And a blonde stripper is found floating dead over inside of a pool. And I'm just sitting here like, oh, fuck. So she was there for about five minutes or whatever. <laughs> then she had to go because they killed her character off. So that's all we got this week, kids. There is no more. If you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. After all, you need to do your part to make sure LP is an unsuitable candidate for public office. And the only way we can do that is to make sure everybody has a copy of this podcast downloaded in their listening device. I'll catch you next week with another episode of Everyday Crazy. 
Everyday Crazy is a weekly podcast released every Wednesday here on Anchor. The podcast is distributed and will appear across Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Don't forget to check out the companion playlist on Spotify created for each episode of Everyday Crazy. On Spotify, you can find playlists from Everyday Crazy, my not-a-radio-show radio-show joculation, and Voices from the Mountains. It's the mix of punk rock, satire, and comedy just the way nature intended. Just click on the Spotify link in the show notes to access all this content and LP's liked songs so you can listen, mix, match, and build your own playlists. You can also check out the Everyday Crazy podcast on SoundCloud, along with additional original content such as original parody and satirical commercials created by LP. Just click the link in the show notes to access all this content and check back for periodic updates. You can stay up to date with all things LP Faust by following on Twitter at FaustLP or Facebook at RealLPFaust. If the written word is more your thing, check out my blog on Steemit. Just go check out steemit.com and type in at LPFaust in the search bar. Or better yet, just leave me a message on Anchor. You can download the Anchor app, find the Everyday Crazy Show, and tap on the message button. Your message might even wind up on a future podcast. William Shakespeare once said, all the world's a stage. As we strut and fret on the stage of life, always be sure to ask yourself, why watch the show when you can be the show? <laughs>